They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi, friends. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Next Gen on Mission podcast. I am Shane Pruitt, the National Next Gen Evangelism Director for the North American Mission Board. And today I have a good friend with me, Jeff Wallace. Jeff currently serves on the Student Leadership University team as the Executive Director of the Lift Tour and Youth Pastor Summit. Jeff is nationally known as an urban ministry pioneer, communicator, innovator, and mentor, author of some credible resources and books, husband and father. Jeff, welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. What's up? What's up, man? Thanks so much, Shane, for having me, brother. It is an honor to be with you guys today, man. No doubt, man. It's such a joy to have you on because, you know, you and I have talked about this for for years. You and I have both have known each other, respected each other's ministry, and just here recently, yeah. we've been able to connect and become friends. And, and I'm just looking forward to <laughs> yeah. reaching a generation with the gospel and partnership with you, man. Absolutely, man. I'm just so proud of what God is doing in and through you, brother. You are out there killing the game. And I just got to give a shout out to all of my people there at North American Mission Board, man. I love those guys there. Uh, they're doing some great things for the kingdom. Hey, man. Well, we're just trying to keep up with you and Brent and Student Leadership University, <laughs> man. We're just trying to keep up with you guys. Hey, well, today, man, we're talking about, I think, a very timely, uh, high, high importance topic on this podcast, yeah. and it's Next Gen and diversity. But hey, before we jump in too deep, get too spiritual, hey, what's one fact <laughs> about Jeff Wallace that we should know about you, but we probably don't? Oh my gosh, dude. Okay, so don't laugh. This is a hashtag no judgment zone, right? So um, I am a sports nut, man. I love sports. And so if I was not in ministry, if I was not at SLU, I would want to either be a um, head football coach. Uh, at a college uni- or university or an ESPN sports announcer. I would love to take on people like Stephen A. Smith or Max Kellerman or uh, Skip and Shannon on Undisputed. Man, that's, that's like my secret life or my secret love there. So I love it, man. Well, personally, I'm a huge Miami Dolphins fan, huge Mavericks so fan, sorry. Luka fan. <laughs> Texas Rangers and anyone who plays the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny, Shane, because I'm not a I'm not a bandwagon person. I was born in Buffalo, so uh, Buffalo, New York. So I am still a diehard Bills fan. Oh, um, yeah. That hurts. That hurts. I am. Yeah. I thought I we were friends. I just thought Bills we were friends. Fan. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. We are, we are, you know, and, uh, and so, but yeah, my growing up, my dad would take me and my brothers to the game on the second half of the season when it was, I mean, just brutally cold. And that was his way of really kind of taking us through the gauntlet to make sure that we were legit Bills fans. And so, I mean, you go through all of that when you're a little kid, uh, strapped up like an Eskimo, um, <laughs> and, um, you know, some of the most coldest environments on the planet you know you gotta stay true to your team so you know it was in my blood as a little boy so no doubt well that's awesome man that's awesome well that was my question is who is your favorite and so it's the buffalo bills you got it man it is the buffalo bills and my basketball team is i'm a lakers fan so i have been uh you know mourning with Mm -hmm. uh all of uh sports america you know um sports world not just in america but just in the world man uh kobe was 
Kobe for me was my uh, my hero, and you know I was a big big fan, and so uh, so it yeah. this is tragic, but also a reminder that man, every moment of our lives uh, is, it counts, and tomorrow isn't promised to any of us, and so we need to own our today, you yeah, know, and do it word. for the glory of God. No doubt. Know, so. Hey, well, yep. Jeff, we always open this podcast with the exact same question, and then we'll close with the exact mm-hmm. same question in every podcast that we'll do at the end. Sure. But, so tell us, Chef, what do we need to know about the next generation, and particularly what do we need to know about Generation Z? Well, man, it's, it's crazy because Gen Z, you know, is broadly defined as the 72 million people <laughs> that are born between 1996 and uh, 2010. But interestingly enough, um, the Pew Research, uh, they defined, they said, hey, Gen Z is anyone who's born and uh, before, excuse me, not before, but after 1997. And this generation is a generation that was and has been raised exclusively on the Internet and social media. But they also have this this love for social justice. And um, they're one of, honestly saying, they're one of the most ethically diverse um, generations. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But they're they're just an incredible generation uh, who have a lot of characteristics, attributes and traits that have come from what they've seen from their parents, who are, for the most part, millennials, older millennials and some uh, Gen Xs, but mostly millennials. And they remember, uh, Shane, they remember what happened when, one, the economy crashed, and they also remember what happened when things changed um, after uh, 9-11. And so just a a fascinating generation that has a lot of uh, interesting um, characteristics and traits about them. Yeah. Yeah, And I I think you're spot on. They are ethnically diverse as a generation. So what are some exciting things about next generation and diversity? Well, I think because they uh, this generation, um, Gen Z, is they're true digital natives. They have an opportunity to see the world through the lens of their cell phones. Um, through the lens of their computers. And so they, they see the world in a very diverse and eclectic way and an eclectic lens. And so what we know about this generation is that they don't necessarily see color. Uh, when I say color, I'm talking about ethnicity. So they don't see black, white, Latino, Native American, Hispanic. They see, they see social ills. They see common cause. For example, um, they view fatherlessness that's one big one, um, as something that has nothing to do with ethnicity, but has everything to do with impact on lifestyle. For example, I served at, uh, for 23 years as student, a uh, student pastor at a church called Peace Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia. And I had a friend who served at a very affluent church in, um, in Atlanta, an area called Peace Street Corners, uh, perimeter church, actually. And, uh, his name is Jeff as well. And so we were sitting having dinner and I was telling them about the book that I was writing Everybody's Urban and just talking about the whole idea of fatherlessness from what I've seen from my students and the impact of a father being absent from the home. And he said to me, he said, Jeff, he said, that's crazy because some of the things that you're talking about your students are dealing with, mine are dealing with as well. I said, what do you mean, bro? He said, dude, he said, you know, yes, I have homes that are six and seven figure income households, but the father either travels, 
He's been remarried, you know, he has another life. And so what he does is he substitutes presence gifts for his presence. Mm. And um, and that has it has the same impact on the life of a student. And so what we're seeing is that um, that a lot of these these students, man, this generation, they don't really see color. They see common cause, you know, that they, they both are uh, they all excuse me, they all grapple around this idea of social justice and, and equality for all. And so they're, they're, they're a generation that um, is very much an, an inclusive generation. Yeah, no doubt. And I think there, as adults, um, millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, there's really a lot that we can learn from the next generation when it oh, comes yeah. to diversity in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, we can learn from them is that, you know, we can learn to first and foremost to see the heart of a man before we see the face of a man. I think that's number one, um, because of the fact that this generation, um, this Gen Z generation, you know, they just do not, they do not, again, they do not see skin color. They see, hey, are we in the same place together? I mean, they're all uh, saying they're all very competitive. They're very uh, much desire. They desire independence. They love to multitask more than even millennials. They're more entrepreneurial. Um, they like face to face, even though it's interesting um, that, you know, they are digital natives. You know, research shows that they like face to face communication, which is why FaceTime is so important for them. And, you know, and video chatting is so important because they love that face to face communication. So I think there's so many things that we can learn from this generation. But when it comes to the topic of diversity, man, they just do not see color. They see common cause. Yeah, that's such a good word. Jeff, where's the church succeeding today? Um, where are we better today than maybe we were in previous years with diversity? And then where's the church failing? And where do we need to get well, better? Well, I think at? we're yeah. Well, I think that we're better today from the standpoint that we're being a lot more intentional about having the conversation. Um, I, I think that um, you know we have been forced, in some ways, unfortunately, because of some of the things that we've seen in media with. Um, when it comes to black and brown um, individuals, in particular males, and uh, their interactions with the police, uh, we've we've just um, unfortunately had to uh, witness repeated issues that have forced us as the church to address these these certain conversations about race and diversity and equality. Um, and so, I think where we're succeeding is that we we are having more conversations like this. Um, I think where we're failing is that we have to move more from conversation to action. Um, I, I think that, you know, um, conversations and panel discussions and acknowledgement is awesome. But I think we as the church, we have to decide, okay, when are we going to move to action? And what does that look like? Because each church, uh, depending upon what region um, they're, they're, they're in, uh, community that they're, they're based in, uh, that call to action is going to look very, very different. So I think we have to move from conversation to action. Yeah. You know, Jeff, I mean, I can think of 99.9% of the conversations I have with leaders is they really have uh -huh. a desire and a heart for their ministries to be more diverse, but yet mm -hmm. are still predominantly 
you know, one race or culture. So if you're if you're leading a church or a next gen ministry that's predominantly made up of one race or culture, what are some practical next steps to becoming a church ministry that truly looks like heaven? Yeah. Well, here's the here's going to be the the interesting. I have a two part answer to that. The first is one. I think a healthy church, Shane, is a church that really uh, reflects its community. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. think that if you live in a community that is predominantly African American, predominantly white, Latino, never. I, I think that if you are being salt and light to that community and serving the, that people that group of people, then you, by definition, are um, being healthy, and you're also, by definition, um, you are being what the church is called to be. So I, I think that that is one of the things that is is important that I want to just share with everybody, is that the, the worst thing that you can do is to step over your Jerusalem mm. to try to, to bring in or minister to the ends of the earth and have your congregation look like that exclusively at the expense of stepping over Jerusalem. So mm-hmm. I think that's that that's the, the, you know, that's very, very important to do that. And so I would say, you know, first and foremost to every church that's listening uh, to this podcast, what is, what's a snapshot of the demographics of your church and, uh, and excuse me, of the community surrounding your church. And once you take a snapshot of the demographics surrounding your church, then you need to ex- assess, the current programming, um, the type of staffing, and the type of environment that you have within your local church, right? Um, And then if I could give just three quick little practical bullet points, um, I think number one, uh, as a church, once we've done what I just shared as far as doing a snapshot of the demographics, number one, you got to acknowledge what you don't understand, Mm. admit what you do understand, and then attempt to become bilingual. Because wow. far too often we have what I call a single story perspective on uh, that cripples our ability and capacity to be compassionate for others. And so, so I will never say no what it's like to be white, Latino, Native American, um, Hispanic. Um, so I, I won't, but I know I, I can definitely be black real good. And so, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so, but, but I think as you and I are brothers in the faith, you know, I will never understand what it's like to be white and vice versa. So I admit that, but there are some things that I do understand and, and, and how we become brothers, you know, healthy brothers of the, of the faith. You know, we have to learn how to become bilingual and learn from one another. So I think that's number one. Mm. I think number two, the church has to make a decision. This is a biggie. The church has to make a decision to stand for both righteousness and justice. Yeah. Uh, because I believe righteousness and justice, they're synonymous. And, and when Jesus died on the cross, bro, like he got the justice and we got the righteousness, yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and justice is a biblical concept, not just a social one. But I do believe that righteousness is the route of, uh, is the route of justice and justice is the offspring of righteousness. Meaning that so often we live in a world, especially in a very heightened uh, political uh, 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 tone and temperament that we have right now. You know, we live in a world where it's either all justice or all righteousness, right? And um, in that, those single story perspectives, schools of thought, 
are what's separating the church and is prohibiting us from crossing over racial and uh, uh, racial lines, and um, is prohibiting um, us from having this this sense of racial reconciliation and diversity. Because either we're we're on the extreme justice side. And if you're not on the justice side, social justice side, then you're not for our people. And if you're, mm. not, you're not for our people. And so I think that we have to, you know, again, understand that it's not an either or, it's a both and. Um, and then my third and final thing is I think we have to decide as a church that, hey, if we're going to approach diversity and we're going to approach it from a healthy standpoint, that the goal for us is always unity and it's never uniformity. Um, it's acceptance and it's not, not sameness, right? And um, and what makes our country uh, great, what makes the gospel great, what makes um, uh, us creating a healthy environment of diversity possible is when we understand that our ultimate goal, that we want to be unified under the banner of the gospel. We don't want to, it's not about uniformity. It's not about everybody looking like Shane or everybody looking like Jeff. It is about what are those things, those common threads that we can decide, hey, we all agree on this and and we're going to let that be primary and then everything else is secondary, right? And, uh, and so what does that look like practically? Well, maybe if you're in an all-white community and you want to have a picture of unity, if you want to have something that shows a little bit of diversity, maybe you have moments from a programming standpoint where you, you cross-pollinate, you do programs and stuff together with a church down the street or around the corner that, you know, you're not saying, hey, this is my black friend or this is our, you know, our church. And don't do it just in February either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, let's, yeah. let's have these times where we're doing life together. You know what I mean? If we're brothers and sisters on the banner of gospel, on the gospel, man, let, and the goal is unity and not uniformity. Let's have these moments where we're like, hey, let's get together and have worship. Let me come to your church and and, and and just be a part of your worship experience. We want you to come to our church and be a part of our worship experience and let it happen naturally and organically. And let's stop trying to force diversity for diversity's sake, but let's let it be, uh, let's, let's, let's onboard it to our churches and our congregation in a very organic and God-honoring way. I love and that. so that's what I you know, so wow. that's my story. I'm to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I'm over here writing things down as fast as possible. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're driving, you know, don't don't try to write down as you're driving. But man, listen to this podcast again and write these things down. That was so rich, you know. And and I echo what you were saying, Jeff. I've had several friends that are Christian leaders that don't look like me, and they've made that same point mm-hmm. that. As the church, we tend to only have joint worship services or joint prayer services after some sort of tragedy that gains media attention. Right. And when right. that should be right. our, our DNA, that should be our lifestyle, that should be our culture constantly as we're finding out ways yes. to, to love and serve the Lord together. I love that. Hey, so Jeff Wallace yeah. goes back in time and visits teenager <laughs> Jeff. What do you tell him? Oh my gosh, listen, we don't have enough time on this podcast for that. And, uh, you know, um, I, I think the first thing I'll tell them is, you know, trust the process. You know, um, very quickly, my mother bus made decision when I started at eighth grade to bus me uh, and my siblings 
to the north side of town to an all-white school. Um, and, and a lot of my heart for diversity really birthed from that vision that my mom had for us as children growing up. But I went kicking and screaming. I, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't want to like it, and I was very closed off to it. So I would tell uh, that teenage Jeff, man, trust the process uh, because this this is going to be a part of your story in the future. Mm, love it. Well, Jeff, man, this has been so rich. Listen, we always close with the same on-mission charge. The heart behind this podcast yeah. is to see the next generation realize they're their now generation. Not necessarily the yeah. future of the church, but the church right now. They might be the next generation, but they're the, gen- they're the church right now. So give us one closing thought yeah. on that, one practical next step. Yeah. Well, one, I'll just let, I want everybody to know that if God called you to it, he's going to take you through it. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and that you're made for this moment right here. And, and I, I would challenge and charge everybody to remember what Paul told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 2, to preach the word in season, out of season, to correct, rebuke, and encourage him with great patience and careful instructions. Why? Because the time is going to come, right? And we're living at that time where people are not going to want to hear truth, but whatever their itching ears want to hear. And so I would tell everybody, you're made for the moment. You know, stay true to God's word. Don't ever compromise. And know that um, that, that is the thing that is sustainable and transferable. It's not having the, the flashiest event or facility. It's about standing on the uncompromising, unfailing uh, word of the gospel. And that will be my charge because I think that's the thing that this generation, this Gen Z, uh, that they value. They value truth. You know, they want truth. And uh, and we have the greatest message of all mankind. So let's be unapologetic about giving it to them. Come on. Jeff, thank you so much, my friend. This has been so rich, so encouraging, so educational. Hey, how can people uh, connect with you? How can they find you? Yeah, man. Well, I am on... um, Twitter and Instagram at I am Jeff Wallace. Uh, very easy. I am I am Jeff Wallace. Um, and uh, our website for Student Leadership University is SLULead.com. SLULead.com. And so, you know, between those uh, two areas, you can find me, and, and, uh, and you never know, I might be in a city near you someday. Yeah, that's right. If you're working with the next generation, do yourself a favor and find Jeff Wallace on social media. And also, you need to know what Student Leadership University is. It will enhance your ministry. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net, N-A-M-B. Net, and we'll try to address those on a future podcast. Have a great rest of the day and tell somebody about Jesus.